Hey, we want to welcome everybody to our uh, exponential webinar. Uh, we're continuing our together series, and I am delighted to have with me Dave and Ann Wilson. Um, many of you probably know Dave and Ann. For those of you, if, uh, if Dave and Ann are new to you, let me give a little bit of introduction. Um, you guys have been married almost 40 years now? 41. 41. All yeah. right. Just and, uh, keeps getting older. <laughs> and better. <laughs> <laughs> and better and better and uh they've been teaching uh and mentoring couples for close to 35 years now um give you a little bit of kind of a bio on them <clears throat> they've been featured speakers at family life's weekend remember the marriage getaway since back in the 90s uh, they've hosted their own marriage conferences across the country uh, they also help co-found kinston church just a great kind of multi-campus church uh well over 10,000 folks that are part of that that, uh, that amazing church. Um, they're also the creative force behind the DVD teaching series, Rock Your Marriage and the Survival Guide to Parenting. And more recently, they offered, uh, authored a, a terrific book that I highly recommend. I don't know if you got a copy there. You could flash it if you got one there by you there, Dave Ran. called Vertical Marriage. There we go. Um, it came out with Zonovan in 2019. There and you go. Fact, there, there you it's go. It's right behind us. Oh, there you go. Yes. And... And there's in fact, um, did was was such a, such a terrific book that we actually had him at Community Christian Church for our together conference, and just was outstanding. Part of the reason we have Dave and Ann here is because our theme for next year at Exponential is called "Together: The Great Collaboration." And if you're not familiar with with the theme uh, that this year's theme of "Together: The Great Collaboration." Um, we believe for a long time that a lot of us in the church world, we've gone after what we call the great commission to go. And then we said, no, we can't just do that. We also have to go after the great commandment to love. And we said, well, man, I feel like there's still something missing that we're going to accomplish the mission. What we really need to is also John 17, go after the great collaboration. And that's to together and to go and love and together. And as we build out this theme in our regionals this fall, um, what we begin to realize is that, wow, before churches are ever able to collaborate, um, you really have to go all the way back and you need to, you know, first of all, be in oneness, be in community with God. But then that best gets expressed both in your family and in your marriage. And if you're doing those things, that sets you up personally to actually be a person who can really live out this kind of this call to community, this call to unity, this call to doing things together, both with a staff team, and then also in your churches and networks and other, other places. So when we thought about, okay, who are some people we'd love to have share with us at some of our regionals around this theme of marriage and family? I mean, Dave and Ann were right at the top of our list. So anyway, enough of the introduction. Thank you guys for joining us. Delighted to have you. How you doing? We're doing good. And we're glad to be here. Yeah, we're excited to be with you. I mean, we, we're, we're, we're with you in our studio in our home, so it's a little different. <laughs> But this this feels anymore. This kind of feels like we're together. Yep. I'll take it. It is. We're together. There's the theme. It's the new together. And I'll tell you what, for our, for everybody listening in, is as if you have questions that you'd like to ask uh, and have uh, Dave and Ann address, um, go ahead and drop those in the drop those in the in the chat there, and we'll we'll do our best to try to answer some of those as they come in. So any kind of questions you have, really around this theme of together, or really and around the themes of marriage and parenting. Um, so I'll tell you what, just to start off, I'd love for us to press into this idea, uh, today of, you know, really together with the family. Um, 
why do, why do you think that's so critical, a critical foundation before we ever think about any other greater kind of collaboration outside the family? Why does it need to start right at home? Well, I mean, I would first, I mean, my first thought, Dave, is uh, scripture really says if you're going to lead in the church, or you're going to do ministry, you have to take care of your household first. I mean, that's First Timothy as qualifications for an elder. I think it's qualifications just to have integrity and really credentials in ministry. Again, I'm not saying that you can't have brokenness in your homes. We all do. And you can't have made mistakes and gone through tough times. But I do think it's real. And we have this part of our story is it's really uh, sometimes easy to minister to people outside your home, whether it be the church or whatever ministry God's given you, and sort of neglect the most important people in your life, whether it be your spouse or your kids, uh, I think I did that. I, I saw the people at Kensington and in our marriage ministry around the country as my disciples that God had called me to make disciples, uh, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, never really considering, and it's a dumb moment. It's like, hello, you should have thought of this first. My most important people in my life that I should be pouring into as disciples is right here, my wife, Anne, and my three sons. And I often poured my energy sometimes to the church or the, the ministry and neglected being together with my own family. And I had to make a real shift in my energy and my motivation uh, about 30 years ago at the 10-year mark. I was going to say, I think I think God started with the family, hmm. you know, back in Genesis. And I yep. mean, he created marriage as one of the first things he did besides creation and Adam and Eve. But I think that's significant that that, that was a huge component where he started, where God started. Yeah. And so the other thing I would say, too, is we failed miserably at this. She's saying I failed. No, That's what she said. Horribly, <laughs> because it did start out this ministry, this idea that God put us in this together. And then I think it can be really easy for one of you, for one of the either either the husband or the wife to get caught up in this vision this dream, this wonderful, this vision that God's given us. And I think when one of the spouses can feel neglected, or for me, I felt like even our kids, like I can suffer, but now our family's suffering, our kids are suffering because Dave's pouring way more into this congregation than into our family. And so now you have resentment building up. And man, I see that God put us together as a team but it can be one of the loneliest places of all for one of the spouses. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'm going to, because I know you guys aren't afraid of being specific because one of, we already got an audience, we already got a question for the audience and they're kind of, they're, I think they're going like, Hey, if you don't mind being real, here's what they're saying. Tell us about a time when you blew it at home uh, while doing ministry and how you realized it and corrected it. Mm. And um, yeah, if you don't mind kind of going there, I think, I think that'll just open up a whole lot of opportunities for us to talk over the next several minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there's, there's a lot of ways I blew it. <laughs> I mean, I could pick multiple, <laughs> multiple occasions. Um, but I mean, you mentioned this book, vertical marriage, the first two chapters are based on the moment when I realized how misdirected I had been. It was a long story and I'll try and condense it, but it was our 10 year anniversary our church, Kensington, was going to start in about three months. So we had 
spent about a year developing our core team of about 40 people. We said 43 because we counted dogs and cats and you know how that goes. Um, and so long story short, Ann and I were on our 10 year anniversary date, which was a beautiful night with, I, I had a rose delivered to the table one at a time. And we talked about year one and then year two, it was this romantic night. Anyway, on the, on the way home, I decided to go parking in the parking lot of the middle school where we were going to start Kensington. We had just signed a rental contract to use their cafeteria and, and didn't know that. So I thought, let's go park here. We'll pray about God doing something great, hopefully through this new church. And then we'll just park. And I see Dave smiling because he knows what I mean by parking. And if you don't know what parking is, look it up. But uh, I thought we we're going to crawl in the backseat of my Honda Accord and end the night as it should be ended. Yeah, I think pastors <laughs> should do more parking. But anyway, long story short, I go to kiss her and she turns her, her face away. And I honestly, as any husband would think, I thought there's no way she's rejecting me right now because, you know, we've had this romantic evening at a nice restaurant and we've talked and it's just, you know, I've done it all right. So I, she just didn't know I was trying to kiss her. So I tried to kiss her again. She definitely pulls away. And I say, you know, is something wrong? And she just looks at me and says, no. And I said, well, I just tried to kiss you twice and it feels like you don't want to kiss me. And then she uttered words that changed our marriage. She said, well, to be honest with you, I've lost my feelings for you. And I was absolutely shocked. I mean, I would have told you that afternoon on a scale of one to 10, our marriage is a 10, probably at least a 9.8. And I guarantee my wife would agree. And which she was telling me something different, which said everything you need to know <laughs> right there. And in my head, I'm thinking, well, of course you think it's a 10 because you're so disengaged. You're so out of the family right now that you're so focused on this ministry that you don't even know how I'm doing, how our family's doing. And you're thinking one night's going to pull off. It's going to fix the last year. And, and I, my bad was that. I was so resentful and it wasn't just that I was resentful that he was, that he was doing his dream because it was my dream as well. But I also felt like he left me in the dust and our kids, I wanted us to talk through it, to look at our schedule and say, how can this work? I think Dave was probably gone five nights out of the week. And then I'm so resentful that I'm screaming when he leaves, like, seriously, you're leaving again. Like, I hope the boys remember who you are. You know, so I'm so resentful spewing this all over the place. Who would want to come home? We were just in this cycle of I would say you're gone. He would say, no, you guys are priority. And so it was just we couldn't meet each other. And so that night I was trying to say that I'm OK. Like, yeah, nothing's wrong because Dave had really put on a pretty fabulous night. And man, I was like, way to go. This is incredible. But I also felt like too late, dude, I've got nothing left. And so you want to build this kingdom? Go mm. ahead. I'm out. That's mm. kind of where we were. And, and, and I'll just add this. The amazing thing is I would have I would have told you, as I said, we are together. You know, the theme of uh, Exponential this year, I would have felt I really thought we were together. And yet, if you looked at my calendar and you looked at our marriage you would have said, dude, you can't see you're missing it. You are not together. You're off doing your ministry and starting this church and sort of taking care of the family. And you don't see it until that night. And when she said that, again, there's so much more of the story. But 
in the moment when she said that, and I finally listened to her because she said, I've been bitter and resentful. And now I'm just numb. God spoke to me. It was this miraculous moment where I didn't hear an audible voice, but God through his spirit that lives right here um, said, repent. And I knew what repent meant. I knew God was saying, you are lukewarm. You're doing ministry, but you're not connected with me. I mean, we were speaking around the country at that point about marriage. (laughs) And here we are, you know, and I don't even realize how bad it is, but repent meant, you know, go back and do the things you did at first. John, I mean, excuse me, Revelation 2, the church at Ephesus, you know, I, I applaud you for these things, but you've lost your first love. And so the night ended, and again, we're cutting out all the details, but the night ended with me on my knees because I realized I thought it was a marriage problem and it really was, that's what we call vertical. It was a vertical problem. The horizontal is not going to be fixed just by us talking, but I needed to get right with God. And again, I'm not in sin. I'm not in moral sin. It was just, I was, I was misdirected. I was giving my life to the ministry. And again, God had called us, but I was forgetting that you can't do that if you're not together at home. And this is your first ministry. So long story short, I repented out loud. I said, God, I have not put you in first place. I put the ministry in front of the one I'm ministering for. I need to put you back on the throne of my life. Help me be the husband and dad you've called me to be. And I honestly, Dave, I thought, okay, now let's talk because we need to talk. And I was just about to get up uh, back on the front seat of this car. And I look over and Anne's on her knees Mm. and she's praying. Yeah, I just I realized as Dave was praying like, oh, man. I have taken my eyes off of Jesus as the fulfiller of my soul, the one who can fill all my needs. And I put them on Dave thinking, if you get your act together, we could be great. And I realized, oh, I've, I've made an idol out of our marriage. Whereas Dave was putting, making an idol out of our ministry, mm-hmm. I had done that with our marriage. And so I think we both repented and we started over. It took a while for feelings and we had a lot of repair and work to do. And I would say that's been cyclical. It's never gone that bad. But in ministry, I think we're always having to touch base because that can be very typical where one is like, let's go. And the other one is like, wait, 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 we've got to do some damage control. Yeah. In our home, Sue and I, my wife, Sue and I, we, we call it the roller coaster. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's seasons where it's high and it is, it is awesome. And then yeah. all of a sudden it's like this and you're going, Oh my gosh, are we going to crash? <laughs> but, and, and like a roller coaster, I think too, you kind of get, so you start to trust it too. You go, okay, yeah. we'll stick together. We're going to, there's going to be another high and hopefully, hopefully over time it's, it's an upward trajectory. I'll tell you what, you're getting, we're going to, we're getting several questions here. I would, let, let's 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 stick with this storyline though, because I mean we're we're talking to a lot of people that are that are church planners, and and are in the middle of planning churches. So they're probably in that same time frame that you were talking about. You know, you said yeah. ten. So there's a whole bunch that are somewhere either you know around that or getting close to that. So you realized, okay, this horizontal problem was actually a vertical problem. You got on your knees, you prayed to God, repented, you tried to get right with God. But now I'm going to ask you to do this. Play and you like sports metaphors. I don't know about you, Am, but I know Dave does. So, well, but I think you've probably gotten used to it by now. So, be, be the coach, okay? okay? Be the coach. Coach us all up here. So, we recognize there's a problem in our marriage that that we don't feel that connection that we used to. There's not that togetherness. We're all on board. Okay, I I get it. There's a vertical problem here. I need I need to trust God with this. It's not just a horizontal problem. 
What things then, I mean, and maybe it was the Holy Spirit, maybe it was people in community, maybe it was God's word. Give us two or three things that you started doing differently that, back to my analogy, kind of like, okay, took you out of that dip and said, okay, hey, hey, we're back on the upswing again. Yeah, well, the first thing I would say is, um, for me personally, I had to recreate my time with the Lord. And it had become a sermon prep time. You know, I would go to the Word to get a sermon. And I'd start, I'd read it and I'd put it in three points and I'd, you know, go out and preach it. And then people pat me on the back and say, that was awesome. And I wasn't sitting like I had developed a, a you know, a core discipline of a Devo time with the Lord just to, to study his word, love him, pray. So that was sort of foundational to say, I need to make this a priority in my life. So, so I, and, and I, I don't know what Ann would say, but I would say the biggest difference then besides the vertical, and that's the vertical. The horizontal part was literally pulling out the calendar and saying, okay, what, what stays and what goes, what's, what's critically important to the ministry. What is on this calendar that is pulling me away and us apart and we're not together because it shouldn't be on the calendar. And so um, I think it was a discipline of learning to say no. And I was not good at saying no. And we had to sort of purge the calendar. I'm not saying we did it perfectly, but over time we started saying, no, I need to be home. And I tell you, one of the things Steve Andrews and I did, Steve is our founding pastor here. His wife was saying almost the same thing to Steve. And we had this conversation. Well, and, she said, I'm going to go to a different church. Yeah. <laughs> she literally alarms said that. going off with that. I'm not going to your church anymore. So this was in year one and, you know, we're church planners and we're, you know, just like many of the men and women listening right now, and God started blessing. So it started growing and it got out of control. We didn't know what we're doing and people are coming. And we got to a point where we both said to our wives, when do you need us? You know, what makes sense from your perspective? And we all both have little kids, little like toddlers. Four and two-year-olds. And both our wives and said, I need you in the evenings more than anything. And we even said how many nights a week. Yeah. And so know. Steve and I made this commitment to our to our wives. And then we set it to Kensington, our church. And uh, probably a thousand people at the time, maybe less than that. Um, we got up on stage and said, we've made a commitment to be home four nights a week. One more than half is what we decided. And we've said to our wives, we'll be there to help put the kids to bed, to do Bible, you know, to read with them, blah, blah, blah. Both our wives said, if we, get, if we pick evening or morning, you can give the church the mornings, but we want you in the evening. So we've said we're going to be home four out of seven nights. If you need to meet with us, 6 a.m., we'll meet you. 5 a.m., we'll meet you. 7 a.m. But in the evenings, we're making this commitment. Our kids are little. We want to be together and be there at night. And I'll tell you, Dave, I thought when the church hears this, they're going to go, way to go. That's what an example. Way to model for us what a Christian husband and dad should be like. You know what the church did? They were all mad at us. Oh, They're like, you're our pastors. You can't, we need to meet with you. We work all day. That's the only time we can meet with you. You're, you're sacrificing us for your family. We're like, uh, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. <laughs> and, and bottom line is I can tell you this, we have three sons grown, married, six grandkids now. So, you know, that season is behind us. It's one of the best things we ever did. I'm not saying we did it perfectly. And our sons would tell you we didn't do it perfectly. But looking back and realizing I was there many of those nights, laying in bed beside a three-year-old and a five-year-old, praying with them, laughing with them, rolling on the floor with them. I'm getting teary right now thinking about it. Those days are gone now. 
And I almost lost them because I thought I needed to be meeting with people at the church. And I'm not saying that's not important. Of course, it's important. But I'm so glad. I think Ann would agree that we made that commitment back then and held to it. So, so one, I mean, so what I'm hearing you say, yeah, okay, vertically, I get on my knees. And one of the things that you felt like God challenged you to do, okay, you have to spend more time at home. Yep. And that ended up being at least four nights. So every week, we're going to be, I'm going to be at home. I'm curious, and from your perspective, I guess two things. One is, how did that feel? Did that feel like enough? Did that feel, I mean, is that the well, right question? I guess, yeah. How did it feel to you? And then two, were there, was there any adjustments that you made on, on kind of on your side too? Yeah. And you better say it was just perfect. <laughs> I want the real well, deal. it's interesting too, because this was, and maybe some of you where I was guilty of this along with Dave, because I started I started leading the women's ministry at our church a few years later. And so I was very guilty of this. It's one thing to be home and to be <laughs> present, but there's another thing to have your body there and you're not, your mind is not present. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super easy for all of us in ministry, especially in the digital world today, mm-hmm. because we used to argue even a few years ago where Dave's on the couch, maybe we're watching a movie and I know he's got his iPad on his lap. And he is totally working on his sermon. You know what I mean? Or it's just so easy now to never be logged out. And so I think Dave did a really good job of kind of leaving the job at the office. I had a harder time with that because it was always on my mind. The other thing I thought Dave was amazing at this is, and I thought this was super brave, is he would ask me, hey, this is once a week. After this 10 year mark of crisis, once a week, he he would say, tell me how you think we're doing, because obviously I don't know. That's what he would say, which is super humble. And he would say, I know, you know, and you know how to get us to a higher number, because I would have said our marriage was a point five when he was saying it's probably a 10. And so, man, that that been a lot to me that he said that he would say, like, how do you think we're doing? Did you tell him? <laughs> well, yeah. yeah and so for, poor Dave for a while, I, I mean, that was so brave because for a lot, for several weeks, I'd be like, we're horrible. I, I honestly didn't want to ask her because <laughs> yeah. I knew her number would be much lower than mine. And I, and I sort of wanted to live in denial, like, oh, we're good. Right. <laughs> but I knew that if I lived in denial, we're never going to get together. And so that became a regular weekly practice on our date. It's like, okay, give me a number. And, uh, and I had to own it. And, and I knew she not only knew the number, she knew how to get the number higher. So my next question would be, so we're really a 4.5? How do we get to a nine? How do we get to an eight? And she knew because I just had to trust she really is more connected relationally to this relationship than I am. So I'm going to let her but help was, me. Like, it's amazing how just that humbleness of him asking that question it just conjured my feelings were really continuing to be restored. And I had my own stuff to deal with. I feel like now we know there's so much brain science. I think neurologically, I was on a path of destruction all the time in my mind about how Dave was failing. You know, like, oh, he's not home. Oh, he's not doing this with the kids. Oh, he can do that with everybody else. And he's not doesn't do it here. And so I really had to take my thoughts captive, as Paul talks about. Why would I go there? And I felt like God was saying, stop nitpicking about what's not happening and start noticing and telling Dave what he's doing right. 
Mm. because I really was continually telling him how he was failing for a while. Who wants to be married to that person? And so I think we both got on this path of, and the other thing I did too, was when I would start always looking at Dave's faults, it made me go inward and think, where's Jesus right now? Like, how am I doing spiritually? Is he at the forefront of everything? Am I totally surrendered to him? Or am I trying to find my satisfaction through my marriage? That's super helpful. I mean, if, if I'm taking notes, I'm jotting down three clear takeaways there. Number one is, number one is like, okay, am I spending enough time at home? Like, can I get to four, five nights a week at home? Hmm. And especially when you got young kids. And what I'm hearing you say, and I would, I could riff on this too, if we wanted to, <laughs> you will not, I, I, I will speak from my own experience. You will not regret that. Right. And, and look where Dave and Ann are now with, I mean, with, with, you know, with grandkids and stuff. I mean, you will not regret making that move if you're a young church planner. Um, the second thing I heard you say is, hey, check in and go like, hey, how are we doing? Week Every week, how are we doing? And so you don't have that 10-year surprise of going like, we yeah. suck. And you're like, oh. <laughs> so both those things, I mean, really good. And I think what you said there, Ann, too, is and this is probably, uh, I don't know if this is a, a gender thing or not, but I mean, I know I love words of affirmation. And so what I heard you saying is, hey, what Dave needed to me is not just always catch him doing it wrong, but also catch him doing it right. Yeah. And, and say it out loud because some of us that are wired that way with words of affirmation, if you if you say it out loud, man, we'll just keep doing that over and over and over again. Yeah. So Yeah. And I, and I felt like when Ann started speaking words of affirmation, which I, I, you know, I could tell you when it started happening, I started running home. I think I was hearing those out in the ministry. People are saying, hey, you're good. And I wasn't hearing that at home. So I was sort of avoiding home. And when she started speaking life, I felt it was like a magnet. It was drawing me home. It's like, I need to be there. And I want to be there because she believes in me and trusts me and actually affirms me. And again, we're not trying to make it like it was perfect. And she never spoke hard you know, truth to me, but it was a major shift. One of the things I'll add that I wish we would have done, I mean, we did our best. We didn't know any better, but we just interviewed Deborah Faleta. Um, she and her husband, John, she wrote the book. Are you okay? What's her Are name? you really okay? Are you really okay? Choosing marriage. So we had John come in and talk to him, but he was talking about how he put on his calendar that they have a connect time once a week. They do it on Sunday night. They call it couch time. Yeah. Where they, 9 p.m. They go through how are we doing? Just how are you doing? Just to ask that question. How are you doing? They don't even go out. They do this at home. Kids are in bed. How are you doing? How's our marriage doing? They're kind of, it's a time of confession. This is where I feel like I've failed this week or even. What do I need to confess? Yeah. What I'm struggling with. How are we doing? And then we, we look at their, they were looking at their parenting. How are we doing in parenting? And their calendar. And their calendar. And we're, we, and we used to do that, all of that on our date night and our date night became a drudgery, <laughs> you know, like, oh no, we're both failing. We're both in trouble. And they said their date night is just pure fun. They don't talk about anything really deep. They don't go there because they know that they're going to have their couch time. And that's when they'll talk about their stuff. And I thought that was really wise. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so don't make your, your date time kind of like a job review. Like here's yes. yeah. fun, but then couch yeah. time. Yeah, that's, that's good. Hey, we, we're getting some more questions here and I'll tell you what, let's, let's make sure we get some of these. And you started to touch on a little bit, but one of the questions that came in is about ministry with small children. Do you got any, I mean, 
got any other do's or don'ts? Do's or don'ts you want to, maybe a couple of them you could pass along during that season when the kids are little. Let's, let's say, you know, you got uh, either preschoolers or elementary age kids, some do's or don'ts during the, that, that, that season of ministry. It's really interesting right now because we have a 30-year-old son that's building a ministry right now. Okay. And uh, they've been married seven years and they have a two-year-old and a, an eight-month-old. Eight so they, we are watching them live our lives. And there's a heady experience we see it in our son. Like, man, he's building this thing. It's growing. And I'm watching his wife like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's just really easy to be resentful. Um, and she's amazing. She's a great wife. She's an incredible woman of God. Um, one of the things that I like that they're doing, and we try to do this too, we involve our kids in as much stuff as we can. You know, we make it fun. Like, let's go because the, they're a part of it. You know, they're a part of our ministry. They're a part of like, seeing like, what God's for example, like, like what? Like uh, they're putting this office together. The kids are there. They're all doing it together. Um, they're hanging lights and they have the kids are playing on the floor as well as the other, the other leaders in the ministry with their kids. So it's becoming a family thing instead of the dads are out there all by themselves without the family, their worship time, like in the rehearsals, the kids are there playing around dancing as the, as the rehearsals for worship are going on. What other things would you say? Yeah, and, I, and my first thought is, uh, and Ann said it earlier, but be present when you're home. I would come home and I wasn't there. And, I, and this was even before cell phones. So think about that. But now you walk in with a cell phone and I've watched this with my son. And I'm like, wow, he's copying what he probably saw. He is in the family room. His two-year-old's crawling on his lap and he is literally fixated on a text or an email. You know, we all do it, but I'm like, dude, you're not even here. And he's like, what? Then he's mad that I'm calling him out on it. But it's like, when you got little kids, again, Dave, you and I know, cause we're older, they're going to be gone. And, you know, older parents used to tell us that when we were young parents, like you're going to blink and they're going to be gone. And you'd look at them like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, dude. One this day is, is a million years. This is forever, you know, but you blink and they're gone. And so when you've got this window, and I know it's hard and I, I know it sounds like craziness to say, but be present. I literally had to, I put it in our, we wrote a book this year called no perfect parents about parenting. And I put in there this, this, what I had to do is, is uh, find a place to drop off the ministry when I was driving home. Cause I wouldn't drop it off. I just walk in the door and I'm still there. And so I had a mailbox, it's on my route home. And I would literally figuratively in my head, open the mailbox, take Kensington, put it in, shut the mailbox door, uh, pick up dad, husband role. And when I walked in the house five minutes later, say, okay, here I am, I'm, I'm all in. And again, it's easy to say and still not do, but it became a visual thing for me. Like, you know, again, not that the ministry doesn't matter, not that you don't think about it when you're at home, but I was not able to turn it off. And this was a way for me to say, you know what? The job I'm walking into as a dad and a husband is more important than the job I left. It's actually a higher calling. And my wife deserves 100% of me and my kids deserve that. And again, looking back now, the window's gone. It's like, I'm glad I did that. And again, I'm not trying to say I did it perfectly because I blew it a million times. But that was a big thing to do with little kids because they suck your life out and you just sort of want to not be there. Dave, what did you guys do? I mean, some of the best advice that we got, I mean, early on, we were actually at a personal life conference. And I remember actually Sue got this advice. 
And, and, the, and, and it was this, it was like you're, in ministry, you're going to disappoint people. Yeah. Just don't let it be your kids. Yeah. Yeah. And um, one of the things that we, one of the things that, and again, I think as church planters, this is why I've tried to coach our church planters. Um, you get to create the culture and you also get to create the rhythms. Mm. So back to what you were talking about, about, yeah. you know, being home at night. Um, I, I did the same thing. I cheated in the morning. I'd meet anybody at any time. I don't care how early you want to meet, you know, and I'll, I'll do two breakfasts. That's fine. <laughs> right. And a coffee. But um, <laughs> except for our small group, um, and I, except for our small group, we would be, we would be home in the evening. Yeah. And, um, and because of that, and the other thing too, I mean, and you, I bet you did some of this too, Dave, but like coaching my kids' teams, yep. like, I mean, I coached their, you know, their baseball teams, their basketball teams. And I mean, that was, I mean, personally, that was some of the most fun I've yeah. had in my whole life. Yeah. Dave did the same. Same thing. I even did it in high school. I coached them all the way through 15 years as a high school football coach. It was awesome. I think- and, I, and I did it to be with my boys. I really did. And, and but the, at the 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 ironic thing about I mean, it's ironic or not, but the interesting part about that, there's a um, reciprocity where it's it is just I mean for me it was also just at some level just plain fun. Yeah, exactly. And, um, I will throw one more thing out too. So it was easy with the boys to kind of connect around sports, which we did, and the coaching and all that kind of stuff. My daughter was was not as much into sports, although right now she's actually training for the New York. Marathon is what we wow. Kind of um, but so one of the things we, we started doing is like we would on the in at least once a week we'd have like a, a date night or a date morning. I'd take her out to Dunkin' Donuts, uh-huh. Starbucks, and we did that all the way through. And um, that just gave me a different way of kind of connecting with her. That's so, great. I'll tell you what. Here's some other questions we had for you guys though too. Is um, so there are different seasons of life though. Okay. So let's think about that. I mean, there's kind of the, there are the little, there's kind of the elementary, the team. How do you, how do you, did you guys shift things by seasons? Did you prioritize things differently during different stages of family life? Any advice I, on that? I was thinking even our last question that ties into this question too, is one of the things that we did with our kids that were, I thought this was really smart too of Dave where ministry just wasn't at the church. Um, especially as they got older, like elementary years, elementary school years, um, Dave, because he'd become home a little bit early, let's like 435 sometimes, we would be out in the yard playing constantly. And he loves to play anyway. So we're doing roller hockey in the street. We're playing capture the flag. We're like kids are doing ramps and, and we're the only parents out there. And it got to the point where these 13-year-old boys are knocking on the door saying, can Mr. Wilson come out and play? <laughs> you know, and so and so we started praying for the kids in our neighborhood as we're at bed at night. We start sharing the gospel with the kids in the neighborhood so that our kids are seeing church happens amongst our the people. Wherever we go, we're taking Jesus, not in just into the walls of our building, but everywhere we are the church, wherever we go. And I thought Dave was a genius of that. And he loved to play anyway. And so I thought that was really cool that our kids saw him doing that. And he was just super fun and fun is attractional and people that enjoy life. That's really attractional. Yeah. And I I would just add, then you get into like the older, you know, teenage years and high school. And um, in fact, 
in our parenting book, we went, we said there's four seasons and there's others, but we said there's the discipline sort of zero to five or six and five to 12 is sort of the, the training. And then the teenage stage, we call it the coaching years. And then now we're in the adult to adult years, the friendship years. But that's why I went over and uh, offered myself to the head football coach at the high schools to say, I want to be a part of the teenage years. And I think a lot of parents, when you feel your son or daughter pulling away as a teen, 13, 12, 14, they think they're pulling away and they sort of think they're done. It's like, oh, they don't want me around. They want their kids around. And we thought the opposite is like, man, they're, pull, they're pulling away pursue in an appropriate way because they don't they do want a relationship with you. It may not look like it. They may say all the things and give all the signs like I don't want you in my life. They actually really, really want you in. But it's I think it's on us as parents. How do we pursue them in a way that they're going to reciprocate? And so one of the things for me, obviously, is I found out they're all going to play football over there. I want to be on that field with them. But you also did music. And then, um, yeah, I did music because I was in a band and one of my sons was a singer. So we did some band stuff. But the cool thing ended up being then I'm at a public high school and the head coach says, hey, will you do chapel? Can we do a chapel thing like you do with the Detroit Lions? I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I think we're okay to do that here. Let's do a a Thursday night. Uh, You know, we have a team dinner. So I end up having this crazy ministry with all these families because their sons all went to chapel. I mean, the whole team came to chapel every Thursday. That's awesome. I don't think five of them ever went to church. So this was like a big deal. And their parents would be like, what are you doing with my, with my kid? You know, and it's like every week I get basically a chance to share the gospel. So it became a ministry thing with my boys watching God do more than just football. And so I think as a parent, you're just trying to see, okay, what are, what, you know, your, your head's on a swivel. Where can I fit in their life in a way that is a partnership and still be doing life with them. We would say, and I think our sons would agree, the best years of our parenting were teenage years. And so many parents are like, oh, those are the worst and I don't want to be there. And I'm not saying our kids were perfect, but those were, those were great years. And I think it's because there was some of that pursuing that went on. I think the dinner, the dinner table conversations of those years are a blast. And with all that's going on in the world right now, Man, we have to have those dialogues and conversations with our kids of teaching them to be critical biblical thinkers. Like, what do you guys think about what's going on in the world right now? What are your views? What are your classmates saying? What do you think? What do you think the Bible like? How does do you feel like it even relates to the situation? I think it I mean, that's just a really fun age. It can it can feel fearful as parents. But man, our I think God has so much for these kids in this next generation. It's not going to be easy. No, I'll tell you what, I want to come back to that. But before I do, I want, I want to want both of you to comment on something that Dave referenced. And I've heard you do it before. And I think it's a really, really helpful framework. And for some of us, we kind of like frameworks. Um, but you talked about the four seasons there. Could I mean, I know we don't have enough time to go into the whole thing. That's why you wrote a whole book. Uh, <laughs> but if you could, I would lo- just... Give us kind of the bullet points on what differentiates because that first season you says it was was a discipline. Yeah. And then you and yeah. Then what are the maybe you give us just a couple of bullet points because there's a lot of parents listening and they're going like, okay, help help me and maybe I can fill in the blanks or pick up the book later on. Yeah, and, and obviously we're not trying to act like we had it all together or not. That's why it's called no perfect parents. <laughs> oh, we also had our sons right in this now as adults. Oh, yeah, that was what fun. we did right and what we did wrong. We should hit some of the wrong things that would be helpful for those in ministry. Like, because like that was kind of. Hard. Yeah, there's some things we would definitely do different now. 
based on what our sons told us as adult men. Um, that's that we maybe we get that real quick. But I mean, here's whatever, the quick thing would be most helpful. I, I was interested in the framework, but if you think that's most helpful, go there. You should talk about that because we're all guilty of this in ministry. Yeah, I would say that. And maybe we can do the stages uh, as well. But one of the things my youngest son said to me, and he was on staff with me at Kensington for seven years as my co-pastor at one of our campuses um, and became my co-teacher. So he taught almost 40 percent of the time at this campus and he has a gift to preach. Um, but he said to me one day, actually two of my three sons said this together. So, you know, it was a real deal for probably all three have felt this, but he said, though they said, um, dad, I felt like you were more intimate and vulnerable with the congregation than you were with us. In other words, you shared more vulnerability and weakness in your sermons with a thousand people than you really ever did in the family room with us. And I'm like, what do you mean? And, and I got to say this, Dave, the second they said it, I knew they were right. There was nothing in me like, what do you talk? It was like, oh, man. Mm. And, they, and they said, you know, there'd be times we're sitting there as teenagers. We're in high school and you'd share a story and we'd look at each other and go, wow, we've never heard that. Mm. How is he sharing that with all these people? And he's never shared that with us you know, a struggle or a weakness or a fear. And, you know, I was always complimented at Kensington. Wow, you're so vulnerable and you're so weak and so authentic. That's why we love this church. And you and I know as a preacher, it's like, yeah, they only got about 70% of it. I still kept back about 30 and um, in an appropriate way, some ways, but my sons were feeling like the congregation was more important than they were. And so I had to confess and say, I'm really sorry. Um, and the other part of me was like, well, we're not done. I'm not going to, you know, I can do better and I want to do better. And I'm not acting like I am doing better, but I realized it was easier to be vulnerable with a thousand than it was to be vulnerable with one. It was like a scary thing for me. It was like, I needed courage. And you went to counseling for that, which yeah. is pretty amazing. Yeah. And that counselor really helped me understand why I would do that. But I think that's the reason I'm sharing that is I think a lot of us do that. Don't you think, Dave, too? I mean, I mean, as a, someone who speaks in front of people, too, I mean, you got, you know, you got some accolades. You got some yeah. that's the back when you did it in front of thousands. If you do it at, you know, at the dinner table, you know, or one of those yeah. four or five nights at home. Nothing. Yeah. Then I'm like, wow, you do suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. I mean, I love yeah. my kids, but I mean, yeah, they they shoot straight. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. You better get it together. Yeah. The other thing that they shared with both of us, um, because we have shared stories about them growing up and we always ask their permission. Hey, you know, we thought about sharing this. How do you feel about that? And they would say, yeah, go ahead or no or whatever. And they've come back to say um, we weren't mature enough to really give an answer to that. Like we felt like oh, you want to use our story so that others can get closer to Jesus? How do you say no to that? And so now I think they felt like, man, you guys, I wish you would have protected us. Yeah. wish you wouldn't have exposed some of the things we did or said. I wish you would have kept that just to yourselves because so often we felt like, oh, you used our story for an illustration to help others rather than us just feeling safe in the intimacy of our own home. And it was like, uh, of course you feel like that. You know, yeah. even though we asked your permission, you're saying we weren't mature enough to know what we were saying yes to. So, so yeah, 
you think Go the ahead. dynamic too sometimes with our kids too because like as public people we're comfortable doing that yes. that doesn't mean you have kids yeah. with the same personality right i'm thinking of like my my middle son who's extraordinarily bright but is more of an introvert certainly more than i am and yeah that would that'd be, that's like torture for him yeah where you know you wanted to talk, tell a story about me, Dave, I'd be fine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And we're fine with each other. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I think back, if I could have done it again, I would have been much more careful. And I, I honestly, in the moment, I'm thinking this sermon will not live without this story. And now looking back, it's like this sermon would have been fine. Right. It did not need my son's story to make it what it was. You know, I should have protected him. And done a great job without it. That's good. I'll tell you, we, I think we might have time. I would love to hear you touch on that framework again, real quick. Yeah. Give us a couple bullet points because I think for some people, they're going like, man, because it, it really, I think it's so smart. It's a way of really thinking about each season a little differently. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we're not saying these are, you know, these are just our idea of the, uh, and again, we may be wrong in exact numbers, but we sort of called the first stage. In fact, in the book, we call it walking through the valley of the shadow <laughs> discipline stage ages one to five. And all we tried to say in there was a critical thing in that stage is really teaching discipline. I mean, it, it's all you're doing. You're trying, you're saying no, and you're setting boundaries. Uh, but we tried to give parents a vision to say, you're doing this because you're teaching them how they're going to have to respond one day to God. And God sets boundaries and why. And so, again, it was just, man, when you're in that stage, you're exhausted. But, man, you, we always say you have about 12 years where they're really where the open window, to you listening to of, mom and dad. Yeah, the window of your influence is wide open for the first 12 years. And, you know, then it closes. It's not that you're not influential. It's just they're listening to the outside world more than, you know, where they're, especially with social media today. And, I've heard and then we talk about. I've heard it said in that first season too. I mean, if you don't discipline them, yes. life will discipline them later. Yeah. Exactly. So let's yeah. do everybody a favor. All right. What's and, if, and if you focus in on those first five years, you really have that down. So then you can enjoy, you know, just the fruit of that. Those hard times, man, is it is exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. So we said the second stage, ages five to twelve, we call them the minivan years is the training stage. And again, it's sort of based on Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, don't exasperate your children, uh, but bring them up in the discipline and training. So there's the first two. And it it could go 11, it could go 13, but it's a generally around a 12-year window. And again, it's where your voice is the strongest. At about 11, 12, 13, other voices start to become stronger and so it's setting them up for future success in the world, I think. Yeah. And this is the Deuteronomy passage of you're teaching your kids when you walk along the way, when you wake up, when you rise. We call them the minivan years is because there are some great conversations that happen in the minivans. You know, you have a captive audience, so you're asking them questions. You're teaching about God and who he is. You're praying continually. You're you're showing and teaching them about ministry and all that stuff. It's so fun. And then the teenage years, we say that those teenage years, you're really living in the question. 
Whereas you're asking them, what do you guys think about this? What do you think about what's happening in the world? And even if they want to see a certain movie, you know that you'll never let them see this movie, (laughs) but you just don't come out and say, no, that's the stage where you start training them. Like, well, what do you think about that movie? Like, is that something that, you know, you think would be good to see? Tell me your thoughts so that you're really teaching them how to cling to Jesus and go to Jesus apart from you. It's training. And as every parent knows, and I'm sure many of your uh, people listen, pastors, church planners know, and probably have preached this. I think it's critical to remember during the teenage years, especially faith is caught, not taught. Yes. And they're watching your Everything. life. Everything you say doesn't mean anything. It's like, what are you doing? I remember uh, one time guys came up to me at, at church and said, hey, we're doing this little men's retreat. Could you come not do anything, just come to have dinner. It's local. We're going to spend the weekend, but would you come and we could ask you questions about being a dad. We're all younger dads. I'm like, yeah, I'll come over. And then they go, Hey, we heard your son, Cody preach. He was in college playing college football and he was home for a bowl game. And I had him do a sermon with me and he's on fire. He's just on fire at this point. So they said, man, Cody's on fire. Is there any way he could come join you? Cause man, we're hoping our kids when they're in college, they'd be like that. Right. And I'm like, Hey, Cody, can you come? He goes, yeah, I'll come. So we go over there. We sit down at lunch, I mean, at dinner, they just start finding away questions. And finally, they turn to Cody and go, hey, Cody, so you're on fire right now. It's so cool to see our kids are little toddlers. And we're hoping when they're in college, they're doing what you're doing. What'd your dad do to help spark this fire in you as a young man of God? And I'm little Dave, I'm sitting there thinking, wow, man, he's got a thousand things to pick from because I did them all, you know? (laughs) I'm like, I mean, I just thinking to myself, like we did Bible studies. I did devos. I did chapel at his high school. We went on mission trips, you know, all this stuff. And I'm literally sitting there looking at him like, I wonder what, you know, of all those things we did, he's picking it. He doesn't say anything. He's just sitting there. And so it, it gets like 30 seconds and it gets, you know, like a long pause. And then I'm thinking he doesn't know which one to pick. Finally, it felt like a minute. It probably wasn't that long. He goes, you know, he just did one thing. And they're all like leaning in and I'm looking over like, what one thing? And he goes, you know, I don't remember a single Bible study or (laughs) I don't remember any of the things he said at chapel or any of his sermons. All I know this, he lived it. Hmm. He goes, if I wanted to know what a man of God looked like, he was right down the hall. He he showed me what a man of God was. That was it. That's all. That's all I can say. And I'm sitting there going, wow. You know, it just it highlighted. Wow. And again, you and I both know I didn't live it perfectly, but man, to him, they're watching. That's still a W there. Every every once in a while you get a win. Yeah, that was a W. I will say, I'll just share this too, because I thought I was pretty proud of this moment for Dave. That same son had just come home. I think he was in college and he just came from a passion uh, conference. And so, and then, and he'd been playing college football, so he wasn't home very often, but he came home, went to a, 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 a service at our church. We take him out to eat and we're eating. And uh, I think Dave says, so dude, what'd you think? You haven't been to our church in a while. What'd you think? And there's this long silence. And then tears stop, start dropping off his face onto the paper uh, tablecloth. And we're like, what's happening? And he goes, dad, your church is dead, dude. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, this is Dave's baby. He's he's birthed it. And uh, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, how's Dave going to respond to this? And it was pretty remarkable of he just leaned in. He goes, 
Really? Like, what do you, what do you mean by that? Tell me what you're seeing, which I thought again, like so humble, so teachable for this little punk that he's raised, you know, and changed his diapers. That was pretty remarkable. I thought. And actually it was a powerful moment that God used in me and even in our church. And you know what he was saying, he just came from (laughs) 30,000 people at the Georgia dome, you know, with, Chris Tomlin. I get it, you know, and, and he even, you know, realized that later. I mean, he's coming to a Sunday service at a church, but something he said sparked something in me to say, am I fresh? Am I on fire? Am I preaching as an overflow of my time with God or am I just doing the church thing? Cause you know, we can get pretty good at the church thing. I can, we can create a service and a, a sermon that we know over decades of experience this is going to work and i think i was sort of just running the play and he sparked something in me that made me fall back on my knees and say i don't ever want to just preach somebody else's notes i need to be on fire and something happened in our church as a result of that that sparked from him so it was pretty cool that was very cool (laughs) hey um we're getting close to about an hour here and we got i know we got to wrap up i am really uh grateful you guys are part of our speaker lineup for our upcoming Chicago regional conference. Yep. Um, if, if there was, and there you go, there's, there's uh, just some of the folks that are going to be a part of that. And you can see, I'm really excited about this, this, this lineup. It's, it is mm-hmm. going to be a terrific, terrific experience. Um, if you had one thing, you're kind of hoping that people will take away from their time uh, at the exponential regional Chicago, where you're talking about together and really the focus on together as a family is, is there something you're hoping you're that, that they'll take away from your talk. I think it's what we've been talking about for the last 50 minutes. It's uh, God has called us to be together at home with your spouse and with your kids. And again, not saying that looks perfectly or that's going to be perfect. It's going to be hard and it's going to be chaos, but to, to just reset sometimes the priorities in our life this is, as Ann started saying, God didn't institute the church first. He instituted the family, and the church is, is really a, an overflow of that. So I hope that's what, uh, yeah, I hope marriages and families are better yeah. because of what happens at Exponential. And I know this, if that happens, yep. the churches will be better. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Anything you want to add, Ann? I would just add to um I think we get so into the grind of ministry and all of that, that we we at times can forget that there is a target on our back, Mm. spiritual warfare, specifically. And on our family. That's what I mean. Our kids, our marriages, our families, and to be intentional, like our walks with God, man, I feel like we have to be on our faces every day. And you're so much powerful as a family unit than just one person out alone. Because your family has so many gifts, your wives and husbands have so many talents that are necessary for the kingdom to thrive. Well, to anybody listening, if you're uh, if you're in the Chicago area or anywhere in the Midwest, I encourage you to fly in. Um, our Chicago Regional uh, for Exponential is at Community Christian Church, the church that I have the privilege of pastoring. It's going to be November second and third, uh, just here in a couple months, and you can see. Uh, I mean, Ed Stetzer. Uh, Omar Garcia, Drew Hine, Watson Jones, Scott McKnight, Albert Tate, and then David Ann along with Hosanna Wong. It's it's going to be it's going to be really really special. So uh, we'd love to have you there. Um, as we wrap up, um, 
Ann and Dave, if people want to find out more about what you guys are up to or access and get a hold of some of your resources, where can they, where should they go? Probably first just go to uh, Dave Ann Wilson on social media, which is Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, or if you're not listening at this point, our, our family life today podcast and radio show is, you know, right there on podcast and it's marriage and family related. We just interview marriage and family authors and it's really we, I mean, we learn as much as ever, yeah. anybody every time we interview somebody. So, uh, family life today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Very good. All right. Thank you so much. And uh, I want to say thank you to all of you for joining us for this exponential webinar. Mm-hmm. See you later. Thanks, Dave. Thanks.